Support the Amigos podcast on Patreon or PayPal and receive cool perks and rad swag. Visit our page at everythingamiga.com support. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we are separate but equal. We are together and yet apart. This is the very first episode of Amigos that we've ever filmed remotely. Uh, covering Except both... for the one I called in. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. That was, or... a, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we are here. Uh, me and Amigos Studios. You and Amigos Studios East. So uh, we apologize in advance for any uh, any snafus that might occur, any imbalance in audio. Uh, I'm trying to uh, make sure that everything's as good as it can be, but um, we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. We're not gonna let coronavirus keep us down. Uh, we are strong and we are ready to rock and roll with today's game. Great courts two, no tennis cup two. Tennis Cup 2 is the name of the tennis game. <laughs> big difference, both. There is a big difference, big trust difference. me. I played plenty of both this week. So, yeah. uh, Aaron, uh, before we get into the show proper, why don't we talk a little bit about what's been going on on EverythingAmiga.com this week. Well, we had one come in from the, the man himself, the dream catcher. Now, this one, I have to admit, I've just looked over it in the past 20 minutes or so. Well, what he's done here is he's taken a look at some of the uh, Batman games that were not the, I would say, more famous Batman games. Uh, he's, uh, he's looked at someone, uh, the uh, Amiga, someone, the ZX Spectrum. Uh, I, it's, it's funny, I'm, I've always been a Batman fan, but I've not played a ton of the lesser in fact i'm trying to think of any batman games i really really like that aren't modern well this was this was during a weird time you know in that mid to late 80s period when uh yeah. nobody was really sure what batman was anymore because you had of course you had the adam west batman which was the campy you know silly batman but then that was also after the frank miller like dark knight returns series which was a much more serious take so batman was sort of in uh, artistic limbo i would say I wonder if they ever made a uh, one of the games based on that real dark, you know, the dark Batman. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The, you know, in all honesty, the uh, campy Batman of the 60s, I did watch. I, I love Adam West. I, but, I mean, the show, as a Batman show, I remember being appalled by it, frankly. <laughs> I just hated it so much. And then, uh, 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 as they even the movies, really the only show, the only Batman thing I've ever really been really, really into was the animated series. And the games that came from it were okay. I mean, they weren't like the best games. I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. You know? Well, I think Batman is one of those things that people... It's it's sort of like uh, it's the ultimate uh, rose-colored glasses thing where they're like, well, Batman's too silly now. He needs We need to take it back to when he was really, you know, dark and gritty. But then you look at some of the Golden Age stuff, and it's pretty silly. It's pretty darn silly. But at the same token, people are like, well, you know, with the new Batman movies with the Bane and all that, Batman's too serious. Well, Batman was... He killed people with guns back in the 40s. He didn't care. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the new Bane movie, the last one, mm-hmm. uh, before, you know... Before the new badge came around, that was so stupid. <laughs> Bane was an awesome character in the comic books, and they really ruined him. Although they weren't, it wasn't as stupid as Bane's first appearance in the uh, the original run of the movies, where he was they completely neutered him. Uh, but it wasn't much better. They've they've had a they've got a bad track record translating the comic books to the films. It's it's unfortunate because there's so much good. There's a wealth of quality stories there that they just don't seem to want to do them. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I apologize for the people that have been watching this live on the stream. Uh, I've I've switched to the wrong window here. Um, and so, uh, in fact, I don't really even know. Oh, here you we go. See me. Yeah, you get to see a frozen Aaron, which is what That's everybody right. wants. There we go. There's the correct window. So, uh, working I'm out... I'm not there to help boat go through all these screens. It just falls apart. Yeah, working out the kinks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, chat, for, for popping that up. So, anyway, 
Uh, there are, I'm sure that there are lots of interesting Batman games for us still to cover. Uh, we still haven't done the Batman game on the Spectrum, which is, of course, a lot of people think that is the ultimate Batman game. Uh, so, um, we will look forward to all these things coming up in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wraps up this week's, uh, everythingamiga.com site updates. Let's talk about... Hey, we should mention, uh-huh. about if you, uh... A couple weeks ago, Graham put up a thing about asking for everyone's uh, everyone's favorite games for each year, uh, which I still haven't done either. So I'm reminding myself and everyone else, it's an awesome idea. So if you uh, get a chance, hop over to everythingamiga.com and fill in a little thing to uh, to uh, add to Graham's list of people who have uh, put their thoughts down. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Let's go over and see what's up with Amiga News this week, Aaron. The gamble train has been good to us. We have several... Pretty interesting stories to talk about. Okay. The fr- I've sort of been out of the loop this week, Boat, so I'm interested to hear what you got. The first one is, uh, there are some reviews, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, there were three, uh, I guess these were re-releases of uh, Mutation Software games, Tommy Gun, Tin Toy Adventure, and Castle Kingdoms. Uh, okay. These were recently re-released in physical form, and the reviews have started to roll in. This one comes to us from blog.amigaguru.com. And he basically gives a rundown of all of the different, uh, you know, the artwork, the packaging. And I've got to say, I really dig this, uh, this kind of packaging. Instead of going through, instead of going for the big box type, uh, you know, package, the cardboard box, this is more, these are uh, jewel cases, not unlike you might find a cassette or something like that, but they are, um, you know, 3.5 inch disc sized cases. So uh, to me, I think these look cool on the shelf. Plus, they're a little bit more durable than a, than a cardboard box. Where do you stand on this sort of packaging, Aaron? I disagree with you. I mean, I think there gets a good package. It's more durable. You're right. You got that right. But it doesn't look better on the shelf. On the shelf, it looks like nothing. You can't. It doesn't. It, it, that don't cut it. So it depends. Really, when it comes to these specialty games, <coughs> if it's me, I'm getting the box uh, because people, you know, it's it's funny. I, this was never a thing when I was a kid, but it is now. Even to me, it's collecting these boxes and putting them on your shelf to make it look cool. And this ain't gonna do it. You're gonna unless it comes in a big box, you know. It just I, I you'll lose something. I'm sure there's a facet of people that'll buy this just to play the game. Well, let me ask you a but question. A of, Did you yeah. you never lined cassettes up? On a shelf when you were a kid? Not the same. Not the same. I didn't know. I did not, by the way. Hmm. I had one of those gimmicks, like a suitcase. You put uh, the cassettes in. the suitcase. You wanted them yeah. out, of, out of sight. Because cassette, like I've got cassettes on my, uh, I've got Spectrum cassettes on my shelf right now, all right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they don't, they're not nearly as cool looking as the big box Amiga stuff I've got. Not even close. Okay. Okay. You know? So yeah, the thing is, you know, in, in, in today's world where collecting is a big deal, it surprises me that 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 they went this route, but I mean there there are plenty of reasons to not use the big box. You named them, but I but I am sort of surprised. I mean maybe they offer a big box or will be offering one. Yeah, I, to me I don't care about that stuff, but I mean I, I know a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know if these guys are going to offer any alternative <laughs> packaging or not. I've seen. Uh, there are some Amiga games that were released back in the day in these little kind of uh, you know just big enough for the disc. This is. I don't know. It's a compromise because uh, for people that do have limited shelf space, this does give them something to display, and it certainly looks better than the old plastic bag gimmick, you know. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah. I do have a couple of these type of disc holders, mm-hmm. and they, I mean, they work great, you know. It, you know, and they're like you say, they're not nearly as easily to destroy. Yeah. Now, in terms of the actual how these games are, I don't think I've played any of these games. I had a look at some of the videos, and this there's he links to some videos from Lemon Amiga. Uh, Tin yeah. Toy Adventure is your standard uh, 2D platforming affair, uh, not particularly impressive to me. However, Tommy Gun reminds me a lot of Imagine Cabal, but instead of having a static screen, you were constantly moving left and right, sort of like Forbidden Forest style. Uh-huh. It looked super cool. It looks super okay. cool. Okay. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. And Castle okay. Kingdoms is an isometric type game. Didn't really look like my bag. Out of these three, I would definitely check out Tommy Gun. It, it seems like How the coolest game. How old are these things, Boat? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know when, when these were originally released. Um, there is uh, the name of the website if you want to check out and order directly. You can go to softwareamusements.com. 
and, and check these out. It looks like uh, these are already sold out, so you are out of luck if you uh, want to buy the, uh, the the physical items. But you can still, of course, purchase the digital downloads, and the digital download is available for seven dollars and ninety nine cents. What a deal! What a deal! I think yeah. anytime you can get under the get under the mark for a digital edition for eight or uh, for less than ten bucks, you're in good shape. These are AGA games, too. That means they're awesome. You know they're gold. Yeah. All right, Aaron. And speaking of games for sale, last week I kind of felt we did a little bit of short shrift to Tiny Little Slug because I gave you a whole lot of information, most of which was wrong. So I did want to okay. I did want to come back. It was funny. Though. I did want to come back to Tiny Little Slug and just uh, one more time give a rundown on the pricing for this. So this is a puzzle platformer type game, not unlike Globjewel, I thought. And uh, they have many options here. You can get the CD, the floppy, and the download version for 32. That is the uh, most expensive version, and that comes with the box and the instructions as well. Or you can get just the download itself, and that is 19 euro. So uh, the, the the pricing ranges from 19 euro for just the download. You can get the floppy disk, the CD version. Or you can get the ultimate package, the CD plus the poppy plus the download for 32 euro, uh, including tax. So I think I'd, I think I'd go for the box on that one. Yeah, me too. I mean, Twenty bucks for the, for the digital. You might as well just throw in the extra, you know, fifteen bucks or whatever. I agree completely. And these are available yeah. over at amigashop.org. Now, finally, this is not strictly Amiga news related, but uh, there is a documentary by Stephen Fletcher. Do you recall the name Stephen Fletcher, Aaron? Yes. He is the guy that uh, made the Commodore story uh, video, uh, the documentary, yeah. and he's currently working on Amiga 2020. He, uh, One of his earlier exploits called the Chiptune story uh, traces the development of that particular form of music. Uh, he talks to the legends Rob... Rob Hubbard, Chris Huselbeck, Ben Danglish, uh, who I believe, uh, and Mark Knight. Uh, so he talks to these guys about uh, eight, eight bit and sixteen bit sampling and and the sort of how it was programming music for games back in the day. Well, Stephen apparently has uh, is has looked at all the people that are self quarantining right now and said, "Hey, I want to give you guys something to watch." So he has uploaded the Chiptune story in four K onto Google Drive, and uh, you can, uh, there is a link to this in the show notes, uh, in the link to this episode, uh, underneath the video or in the podcast notes, uh, so you can download this thing, and you can watch it uh, at your leisure. Uh, that's nice, Evan. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, and uh, of course, Stephen does real good work, so I'm going to be checking this thing out. It sounds really cool. Yeah. All right, Aaron, and that's going to do it. For this week's Amiga News, the Gamble Train. I will give a, uh-huh. a quick shout out before we, and I don't know if we talked this week because I just I just watched it the other night, but the Ten Mark has a new video out. Oh this week. shoot! I totally forgot to link that. Let's go ahead and talk about it right now. Uh, he does. He uh, well, among the two things he he tackles are he actually gets his box copy of Zorro. Remember Zorro mm-hmm. from a couple weeks ago? He digs into that. It comes with a bunch of little, um, you know, little gimmicks in there. Uh, including a little cocktail sword, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> you know those cocktail foils yes. you get like you put in cherry. Uh, it's but it, it, we were talking about how the, the, you reminded me we were talking about those boxes earlier. Uh, Zorro's box uh, actually is a half box. Okay. So it's like a, it's a smallish box. Right. Now I think this is like a nice happy medium. To be completely honest with you, between the the case that we just looked at and a huge box. This isn't too bad uh, a, a, a go, you know, I think. Uh, this guy also drew a Zorro comic and put in there, which is kind of cool. There's some stickers in there. It looks like a lot, of, pretty... a lot of thought went into this packaging. This little mini Zorro yeah. comic, man, that's, that's serious business. If you like, if you think you'd be into Zorro, and Zorro, I, like I said, without playing it, I'm not going to judge, make a judgment on it, but it looked okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the, the guy actually, it looks like he did a pretty good job on the package for Zorro. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, it's up, it's good to go right now. The other thing Tenmark looked at was this a case uh, for the, I think it's a 520 uh, expansion mm-hmm. uh, that you can get. Now, he's got one stuck in his Amiga 1000, but this is a case that goes into the actual uh, Amiga 500 for this thing. It's just, this houses the expansion 
and it's uh, laser printed. It looks pretty good. Yeah. And I told him, I said, listen, tell the guy he needs to make one of these for the for the one thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because Doug tried to put this in the 1000 with hilarious results. Well, the, uh, so they, this is this is one of these boards that kind of sticks out and <clears throat> precariously without it without a special case. So I hope that that uh, right. that the a case for the 1000 does get made because that would be something I'd be into in order to make my my 1000 a little bit more usable. Yeah, I, I think it would be. Uh, uh, I think it would sell. I don't know how many people have done that with their 1000. I mean, I've thought about it, but I thought about a lot of crap. Yeah. So <laughs> you never know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, but this this looks like a decent case. I'm all for the laser printed stuff. You know, I've got two. Uh, uh, I've got or excuse me, three D printed stuff. I've got two three D printed uh, boxes for my uh, atomic pie. You know, they, and they're great, and they're they were super awesome. Way better than what I had because I had this thing stuff shoved down into a. Uh, I think it was a, a, a Cool Whip uh, bin, <laughs> you know, you know, in, in my own inimitable style. Right. I cut into this Cool Whip, you know, so uh, so that, that worked out good. So you know, Brent's going crazy for the for the 3D stuff right now. So this looks pretty good. I, and as I recall, it was a real cheap, like twenty bucks or something. Wow, wow! I wish so, the I wish the five twenty was only twenty bucks too. Then we'd be yeah, talking. No kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so check out check out Doug this week. He he uh, he had put out another good one. Cool. All right, Aaron. It's time to talk about Tennis Cup 2. It's time, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about it, but what the hell? So, uh, hey, now, I, I, I'll, this is a trick question, but had you played this before this week? Never, never. I'd never now, played I, Tennis Cup I, 2. Believe it or not, I had played this. Uh, in fact, a couple years ago, I did an Amigos play on it. Really? Uh, yeah, I was surprised. I, once once I saw what it was, I was like, hey, wait a minute. And I went back and looked, and sure enough, I had done an Amigos play on it. Uh, so, And I remember it pretty well. So this game was from uh, 92, uh, two discs, and it was published by an outfit. It's funny because I've ran into these guys a bunch of times on ARG Presents. Uh, and they also, we ran into them here just a few months ago. It's uh, uh, Lori Seal, mm-hmm. I believe is the way it's pronounced. It's a French company. Right. Uh, amongst the things they've done that we've covered, they actually did Panza Kickbox. Mm-hmm. So they, they were responsible for that. Uh, and they they developed and published. You, you're forgetting the best game that they ever published. What's that? They did Yeti, man. They were the minds oh. behind Yeti. Oh, <laughs> I think they published Yeti. I don't think Listen, they man, Mr. Loricell sat down at his Thompson M05 and knocked that thing out in one evening. Is there a Mr. Loricell? I never read that. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah, you're making that up. So, anywho, uh, you, like I said, you can actually have two players play this. Um, this really, I found a little bit on the three guys that worked on it. The coder was a guy named Clement Ayayemi. That's a tough one to pronounce. Mm. Uh, he, as far as I can tell, this is the only thing he ever did on the uh, Amiga. The graphics were done by uh, Dominique Sablons, uh, who was responsible for, among other things, We it's funny we talked about this, but of course he did Tennis Cup 1, and Vroom, if you remember Vroom. Yeah, that's a, uh, we. That's sort of like an F1 type game, right? Right. He also did Mortville Manor, which has came up a few times mm-hmm. on the show that we've always talked about. And the music was done by uh, M- Michelle Weingradoff, who did the music in Panza, uh, Tennis Cup 1, Mach 3, a ton of stuff, Golden Eagle. Not a whole lot there's, of music in this game. There's I not. guess there's about <laughs> as much music in this game as there is in Panza, so that makes sense. That's exactly what I was going to yeah. say. That's exactly what, um, <coughs> as far as I can tell, this came out on the Amiga, uh, the Atari ST, DOS, the Amstrad CPC, and the GX4000. I noticed that Lorisel, uh, they always, uh, they almost always support MS-DOS for some reason. I noticed that on the other well, show. Well, they wanted to sell software. Yeah, me and Brent, anytime we cover something that's a really European computer... Uh, Lorcel comes up. They we've done. I bet we've done three or four different games from them. And so it's funny here, and we've come back to them again because it's not a company you really think about when I think about big companies. But they were rocking and rolling, and I believe, as I recall, they were around till around ninety four, ninety five. So they had a pretty good run. They even worked on the Super Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> so they they had a decent run, all things considered. I found the price on this thing. Uh, I can't confirm this, but I found it one place. It said when this was released, it was a it was twenty six pounds. Wow. For this one. Yeah. Well, we're used to this, uh, the Spectrum show. We don't get prices. Yeah. The 26 pounds sounds like a, a zillion tons. It of does. <laughs> so, so let's talk about this uh, wacky game. Uh, it's a tennis game. Now, 
uh, like Vote said, it doesn't have a lot of, uh, it doesn't do a lot when it comes to music, but, but they do have, they do set a nice atmosphere, don't they, Vote? The, the beginning game. of this game, everything that leads up to the actual start of the match is incredibly impressive. Yeah, you start off by your you're a tennis player that walks into a tennis club, mm-hmm. and I don't mean a dud club. No, this club's got an upstairs. It's got it's got like automatic doors. This is a nice club. Yeah, and you walk up to the desk, and you can make your decision as to what you what you want to do. Now, um, when you when you I went right to singles to start off with. Now, but you can go to the options, and you really should go to the options, which will explain why. But on your first time playing this, you're gonna know if you just go out to play a match. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. You're going to walk out on the court, and you're going to notice that when you start playing, the the guy your guy will just basically run the ball. Did you? Well, did you he, yeah, he is uh, yeah. he is computer controlled uh, by, by default. default. Yeah, yeah. He so which I thought was odd, mm-hmm. frankly, that they would default with that option being on. So when you walk out to play a game, well, I mean, you got to realize we're coming from the world of Graham Gooch cricket. Uh, there are there are lots of sports games for the Amiga where they just don't expect you to be able to move your character. You know they 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 expect you, they expect you to need some help. Yeah, but tennis is a game where it seems like moving your character is literally three quarters of the game. It, it would seem that way, yes. Yeah, that's like having a car game where you don't actually steer the car; you just shift the gear. Hey, we're not talking about battle cars yet. Let's well, they, oh no, not yet. Um, so, but before we get into the actual game, it's the, the, the little touch is boating out. The, the tennis club you go into is nice. Then you go out in the court. The court is beautifully rendered. Mm-hmm. You come out, you meet your opponent, you shake hands. It just looks really nice. Uh, but then you actually get to the court. Now, the first thing I noticed, uh, Boatster, because uh, when, when you play the game, when you start, you're, you're on your side of the net, you see your opponent, and the net... The the level that you see your opponent is is a very low the slant is low yeah and by that I mean you can't see hardly any of his court the net covers over half of it mm-hmm. and so you see the back line and that's pretty much and you see the you know the the doubles lines and that's pretty much all you can see of your opponent's court right right now both. Your thoughts just right out of the gate. I knew right away we were in for it because of the, that look. But what did you think just out of the gate on it? Well, I knew that the the view the viewpoint was low starting out, and I thought, well, maybe this is going to be an issue. But the thing is, it it's really only an issue for the other player. You know, the full extent of your side of the court is visible, so it's not really yeah. a big deal. Um, one thing that I noticed about this is that there is a uh, radar screen. Uh, up on the uh, the upper left side of the screen that gives yeah. you your position, the position of the ball, uh, the position of the uh, the opponent. You don't see that in a lot of tennis games. At least I haven't seen it in a lot of tennis games. So I thought that... I think the reason... Uh-huh. I'm sorry, go ahead. So I thought that was cool. I mean, this game does so many things right. This game could have been the marquee tennis title on the Amiga. However, when I started playing the game... Um, my opinion quickly diminished, and I'll tell you why. This game is the only tennis game that I've ever seen that adopts the Lionheart system of control, where instead of pushing the button to to swing your racket and or sword, you push the button, you hold the button, and then when you release the button in combination with a direction on the uh, the joystick, actually swings your racket. That's not uncommon for a tennis game. I've played lots of tennis games, and I've never played a tennis game that does it that way. So I don't I know what the, tennis games you're playing. The feel on this one is, well, I mean, it, that's not that uncommon, but it, it, this game feels weird. Strokes and stuff, do they feel off Yes, uh, to me. Like, uh, and, and, which is, it doesn't need that. You know, I've just said, like, for example, the... Uh, um, Great Courts 2, which is my favorite tennis game on the Amiga, and you mentioned it earlier accidentally, it uses the same approach, No, it, basically. Do, it, it doesn't. The, it, the way you hit the ball is the exact same way that you hit the ball in every other tennis game, where you approach the ball, you hit the button, the person moves their racket, and it hits the ball. I played Great right. Courts 2 tons this week, and the control is totally different. Well, when you, but what I'm saying is when you, you, when you hit the button and you move the stick, the ball, you shove the ball in that direction, is what I'm saying. But this game doesn't do it the exact same way. There's a 
It's kind of hard to explain. Well, no, it's, it's not hard to explain. It's exactly like Lionheart. It's exactly like any game where they don't give you direct control in an effort to make it more realistic and to theoretically give you more options. It, I never thought I'd see the day where you would be comparing Tennis Cup 2 to Lionheart. Well, Lionheart is, Lionheart's the most famous game that has that control scheme. It's the best, the best game. This game doesn't control nearly as good as Now, Lionheart. I will say that, you know, in Lionheart's defense, uh, doing it that way does give you a lot more different motions you can do with the sword. Uh, with this game, the uh, the advantages are not as apparent because you can control in a, in a more conventionally controlling tennis game you have pretty good control over where you hit the ball. I mean, you can, you know, you, you push the button and you hit the stick and you hit it in one direction. Uh, what would be cool is in, in a way that would make this game actually useful is if they put a little gauge on there and you're, you're sort of charging your, your, uh, your racket by holding the button down longer would control whether you'd hit the ball further or closer, but that's not the way this works either. I think part of it is, I, I just thought about this as you were talking, I think part of it is the way you approach the shot. Like, as you approach the point where you're going to swing, it's goofy. It's uh, It doesn't seem right. That's all I can say about it. And you so it, it, you don't feel like, I don't feel like I've got good control. And also, it's hard to line up a shot right. uh, uh, the way the ball lands. I, I want to get back to the angle of the court, too. Uh, and I can't help but keep controlling this, uh, comparing this to great courts, too, but I'm going to. Great Courts 2 has the angle where the, where the player in the far uh, courts are, is up higher on the screen. The angle is a, a much larger angle. Yeah. And it does make a big difference in terms of lining up your shots and in terms of being able to see the ball come off the other guy's racket. You mentioned this thing has a radar. And to be honest, I'd forgotten about the radar because I never looked at it. I never had time to even look up there. And so, I mean, listen, I, if you're really good at this game, Maybe that radar would come in handy. I mean, but did you use the radar that much? Did it help? Oh my you? gosh! Uh, oh my gosh! No. I mean, this is like the radar, and <coughs> well, it's like the radar in a lot of games where the action is so fast that if you take your eyes off the court for a second, then you're dead. Yeah. It's over. That's exactly what I mean. I mean, we agree on that fully. The the radar, it's there, and I'm sure they put it there because of the angle. Mm-hmm. But the but it the it's not it doesn't get the job done. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, and so what you get here, at least for me, now I can't speak for but I'll let him speak for himself. What you get here is a game that doesn't really control the shots well, and you can, and you also have trouble seeing the ball. And so what that means is you get a beaten, a, a, a tennis beaten. Now, I used to be on the tennis team in high school, believe it or not, uh, Boat, and I, I've suffered a few beatings, but, I mean, I felt like I had a fighting chance, mm-hmm. you know. And this one, it was just a relentless beating. I also noticed that occasionally my guy would like die. There's an animation for when your guy dives for a ball, and occasionally it just looks like he takes a big old belly flop, which I also did that when I played <laughs> tennis. The old belly dive, yeah, a big kerplop. It's because a guy like me, you can't dive too far. Well, it's like me when sort of flop. when I when I used to play baseball, I dove into first base almost every time. You have to do that. That's the only way you can achieve maximum velocity. And dirty, yeah, you get as dirty as you can. Now, what did you think about the uh, difficulty boat? <sighs> And there are different levels of difficulty, but my God, I went on the lowest one and got murdered. I felt like in this game, if I could get a volley going, uh, I was doing pretty well. Like if I could actually yeah. return the ball more than once in a particular set, or what do you call it when it's just it's it's less than a set? It's just a a thing, you know, a game. A game, yeah. Uh, you mean a point? A point. That's it. Within yeah. a particular point. If I could, yeah. So you're 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 below game at this point. Right. You're just wanting to try to be successful at one point. Yeah. If I could return the ball twice to the computer opponent, I'd be like, yeah, I did pretty well there. I did pretty well that time. Yeah. And that's not what you want out of a tennis game. You want to feel like you have a shot at at least winning a game. I realize yeah. that you know winning a match, you probably have to practice some. Um, but yeah. win- <laughs> winning a game, that's the bare minimum, you know. Something else I failed to mention. Uh, yeah, I want to go into is to serve. All right. In Great Courts 2, the serve is more complica- complicated, but it's much more fulfilling. And you could actually get an ace because mm-hmm. you could see the court. Another another aspect of this angle of this court is that you can't, it's almost impossible to get an ace or serve well. I mean, you sort of have to lay the ball in like a jerk. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, which I didn't, I didn't like that. And there's no, you know, it's not like, um, 
I think it was, uh, is it, it's in Great Quartz 2, you've got that, that little bullseye, right? That travels up That's and down right. the opposite comes side. Out, yeah. Like, in a big circle. Yeah. And that makes you feel like, hey, I actually have some control over what's going on here. And yeah. if I practice this, then I can get pretty good at it. Versus with this game, you get nothing. You get no, no indication yeah. of where you're going. Me and Brent used to play Gate Quartz 2. And, and that was, and we would both have our moments of greatness with, you know, serving. Because it, much like in real tennis, it sort of comes in waves where you, you're in the zone, you know. I had I, the serves on this, you know, they, I didn't, they didn't do it for me. Now, I will say, <coughs> when you lose, and you will, there's a great scene at the end. There's a cut scene where the two players come together, and the winning player's going like, yay! And the losing player just goes... <laughs> yeah, just, just hangs his head. And he is shame. It's like, you suck. And I felt like that when I was playing this. I was like, I just ducked my head. I'm like, well, I never have, I've never won a, a, a set. I have won a, I, I have. And won. go ahead. You know, and that's it. Yeah. So yeah, well, it's hard. I mean, this is just yet another example of a game that we've talked about on this show. <laughs> Where the graphics and the presentation are top notch, and the gameplay just falls, it just falls flat. And yeah, it, it's it, a it it's a shame a because game. you know because Lauriciel, however you say it, they they could churn out some great stuff. And I just feel like that they dropped the ball at the last minute here by building this whole experience and not not filling it up with a good game. You know, it's funny if you combined. The the uh, uh, cutscenes and the atmosphere of this with the actual gameplay of Panza, you've got a winning game right there. And this game has, unlike Panza, this game's got a lot of options. You can change difficulty. There's a there's a mode that you can go into that's split screen. You can turn that on or off in single player. Uh, it's got two, it's got uh, support for two people. Pretty cool, you know. So you can have your doubles in there. Uh, um, it's got some things going for it, you know, make your own character and stuff, but it just, it, if the gameplay's not there, to me, it's just sort of pointless. Right. You know, and, and so many of these create a character modes, you always come out of it thinking, okay, well, if I give this guy five more points on backspin, what exactly does that mean? And how do, how do I alter my gameplay to make that happen? You know, I never even really, I didn't fool with that hardly at all. I just, I went in there and played it. When I played it the first time I messed with it, it didn't do anything for me. The training is kind of, you know, you can, the training is kind of fun. But, I mean, you, uh, here's the problem again. It just, if the game is no good, nothing's good. And it's all, it all stems from, the, it's all in the same court. You know, eh, not so good. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that this is the best-looking tennis game uh, on the Amiga? Well, I haven't played every tennis game. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know that we've played... At least one that I can think of right offhand, and it was that weird, like Prince of Persia style animation. Remember yeah. that one? So obviously that one looked horrible uh, in terms of this realism. One, I would say, in terms of the way it looks, this probably does look better than Great Chords. Mm-hmm. It's got more panache, you know. Uh, it's got the sound is good, you know. The crowd is good. Uh, I like that part of it. It's just they couldn't get the gameplay. It's funny. I looked at. I just had a look at Great Chords. One or one or excuse me, tennis cup one. I should say mm-hmm. you got me on it, and it very it looks real similar. I don't know what they changed. And like I said, I never I usually don't play the games because I'm afraid we're gonna go back to them. Right. But it looks it looks a lot like now. One thing I did look up, get this boaster. There was actually sort of a sequel to this game. Uh, believe it or was not, was it called Tennis Cup Three? <laughs> no, it was called Davis Cup Tennis. Really? Uh, you remember, do you remember the Davis Cup? I thought that was a NASCAR event. Now, Davis Cup was an event. Uh, I think that's an event where you you represent a nation. Okay. I think that works. Like there's teams. It's been a long time. So I was in the tennis back when I was a kid, but it's been a long time. Anyway, this came out. Now get this one, boats. There came out in '92 uh, in Japan for the PC Engine. It was on a Who card. Wow. So I could actually play this thing. Um, and th- on this one, you could have up to four people play, which would be kind of cool. But I mean, again. It, it's sort of the same basic gimmick, right? As, as if they didn't, if they didn't change the control style, then it's a it's a non-starter. You know, it doesn't matter if you got sixteen players out there. I looked at some reviews on this. It, 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 talk about all over the map. So Lemon gave this a seven point five four. Amiga Format gave this an eighty percent. Amiga Power gave it a uh, seventy two. 
And then the ratings go down from there. AUI gave this a 67. CU Amiga gave it a 67. And Amiga Computing gave it a 37. Right. And they trashed it. Well, it's no wonder that, you know, Lemon, they always have high scores. Uh, but the the other guys, I would put definitely in line with with, with them. Uh, we did get some some Discord reviews here. Uh, and uh, the the... Our, our people tend to agree with the with the magazines. Tennis Cup 2, Chris Folds says, Before my review, I wish to formally apologize for putting this on the list. It was supposed to be Great Quartz 2, but I got the names muddled up. <laughs> Folds, you idiot. So Chris Folds was the Amigos Game Selection Committee member that suggested this game and then was subsequently voted on by the Game Selection Committee, who must have, as a group, collectively misremembered this game as well. And, well, remember you remember that Amigos plays I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Guess what I thought I was playing that night. Was it tennis? Great courts too. <laughs> so I can't. So I, I, I unidiify fold because I did the same exact thing. He, okay, he goes on to write. Anyway, what the deuce did Lori Ciel think bringing a game like this out in 1992, a year after the genre-defining Super Tennis on the SNES? All they had to do was make a clone. Everything is just a bit wonky with this game. The viewpoint, the difficulty level, the sluggish controls, the total inability to move on the baseline when serving, the overcomplicated menu systems, the mega-slow loading times on disc, and the lack of fast and fierce action make an awkward experience when playing it in 2020. And I believe, did Lori CL do Super Tennis on the SNES? You're you're out of my... uh area of expertise there boaster okay no they no they didn't i was going to say if they did both of these and they i mean how could you possibly mess this up so bad if you did super but they didn't super tennis was a, a different developer um so anyway folds he didn't like it five out of ten pixels at dawn our other uh, discord reviewer says a very nice looking tennis game if you ditch the split screen view but unfortunately not an awfully playable one It suffers from the same problem a lot of tennis games have. The angle is so shallow you don't have enough time to react to shots, and the controls make it hard to judge when to swing, too. I had a couple of decent rallies. The action could get pretty hot and heavy near the net, and the menu system is nice, but sadly the Amiga already had better tennis games by this point. Four out of ten. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, this this game for me, I might even go a little bit lower. This this one might be a three out of ten. The only saving grace is the um, well, no, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give this game a five out of ten, and I'll tell you why. Uh, they do offer a pretty neat robo uh, like practice mode where you got the the ball launching machine out there. Yeah. And it's, it's, did you try that? Yeah, and of course I, I was it? just as bad as returning from a real that's, player. That's what I was saying. The, tra- the training, it, you suck. It's like you suck in space. And there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and the, all the you, there's not enough balls that machine can shoot to make you better. Right. You know. Right. Right. And so I mean, I will I will give this. I'll bump it up a couple points just because, like I said, the presentation is is good. It does come with a lot of modes and options and things. But yeah, this is this is a five out of ten game for me for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's a missed opportunity. And maybe if Laurel Cell would have came up with a third one, and and listened to some people and tweaks and stuff, and I also remembered. Uh, that the load times, I remember mentioning that when I did the Amigas play on this, I'd always heard that the load times on this were really, really bad. So, yeah, and, and I really, the great courts too, they're not great. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the load times suck off disc in general. Yeah. <laughs> they're no good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Aaron, it's time to talk about what's been going on on our YouTube channel this week. We've had <laughs> lots of action up on, uh, right. on the YouTube channel. Uh, why don't we start with, uh, you're in Brent. Doing Windows 3.x on ARG oh, Presents. I, I will say, if I got anything done this week, I got Windows 3.x installed on my DOS box, which I wasn't sure I could do. <laughs> uh, but uh, Brent actually picked a real winner this week. This Castle of the Winds was a, a really good roguelike uh, game. I have to say, I'd never heard of this, and it's got quite a following. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it really was a, a remarkable achievement. I thought I was real impressed, frankly. Uh, Brent came through on this one. Now, I picked Mist. Uh, it's funny, as a younger man, I never liked Mist uh, at all. But as a, an adult, uh, I can appreciate the artistic endeavor that uh, it was, and the and also the technical achievement that it was. Sure. Uh, when it was when it was produced, and I watched a documentary on the two guys that put it together, 
it's quite eye quite eye opening. They're from your neck of the woods, but in terms of the Mac, they did all the they did a couple of smaller games in the Mac before they they tackled this big game. Yeah, the and, uh, you know the hypercard hypercard was the the predecessor of all these kind of point and click uh, adventure yeah. type games. And it, yeah, I watched that documentary when you told me about it, and I highly highly recommend it. <laughs> it's amazing how much how many copies missold. You know, one of the it was for a time it was the top selling game of all time for a long time, and, yeah. and it truly was the game that brought the CD ROM generation uh, to to home you know you know the funny thing about this boat and really the main reason i picked it uh is because i have no memory of this being on windows Mm 3.1 that's astounding to me and i also have very (coughs) little memory of anyone having a cd rom for windows 3.1 most of the cd roms that i i mean i didn't have one because they were so super expensive so the people that bought this game were probably pretty well off because Windows 3.1 and a CD-ROM, I don't think any of my friends had uh, one for 3.1, and I don't think anyone even thought about it, well, to be honest with you. I mean, it was early, early days of the CD-ROM. You're talking to somebody that had one. On, the, on a PC? Yes. Oh, really? So the, okay, the, 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 the first modern computer my dad bought was a uh, 100 megahertz Pentium. It ran yeah. 3.1. It had a CD-ROM drive and a tape backup. Oh, yeah. You must have been there in that sweet spot. Well, it was uh, it was right before Windows ninety five was released. Right. In, in fact, you know, I would pester my dad for uh, you know about a year after we bought it because we got the computer, everything was great, and then instantly it was out of date because we didn't have Windows ninety five. So, yeah, I. Uh, uh, but anyway, I had a good time looking back on Mist. I lost my voice part of the way through this, and I almost lost it last Friday too. I'm, I'm feeling a lot better today. Good. Uh, but so that's that always sucks. But we we still soldiered on, but yeah. we made it through. Yeah. Now I've released a bevy of uh, of sort of let's play videos for both the ZX Spectrum and the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, I won't go over all these, but uh, I did want to talk briefly about Ninja Scooter Simulator. Have you heard of Ninja Scooter Simulator, Aaron? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this was not a game that I had high hopes for, to tell you the truth. However, once I started playing this thing, the action is real. Imagine, like, Excite Bike, except you're a freaking ninja and you're on a scooter. And you've got your hat yeah. turned around backwards like ninjas do. You're wearing sunglasses. And you're driving through parking garages that have signs that say, hate the hype on them. Wacky. Yeah. I'd say th- I, th- I like the idea of this. Is this is this is like the guy? He's on his way to play ninja golf. That's right. That's right. And he, he he's on his way to play ninja golf. And he's he's soft, he now. Did you have a scooter back in the day, Aaron? Uh, oh God, no. We made fun of kids that rode scooters. Those were the biggest <laughs> dorks around. See, now my kids got one. They made a big comeback. I was but yeah. Scooters were nerds. I was coming of age, I think, in in, in the late '80s <laughs> when the first sort of scooter renaissance happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, but I never had a cool a cool scooter. My scooters were always lame. So yeah, scooters scooters the same guys that had scooters. Their moms would have made them wear helmets, mm-hmm. which that was a no no when I was a kid. You know, that was like I am a huge geek. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But now of course now you can't do anything with that helmet. But you know time changed. We had we were it. <laughs> we had a uh, a <laughs> Coco show uh, debut this past week, Aaron. All about uh, Berserk, otherwise known as Haywire. What did you think about this one? I enjoyed this game more than you, as I recall. Um, I'm a big Berserk fan from the arcade. It talked the arcade version, not this one. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a pretty good uh, play on Berserk. And I remember when I got this back in the day, I was like, man, I put there, I've got something that puts everyone else's Berserk to shame. This is way better. Yeah. Because it looked, you know, with the exception that your guy's too big, it looked a lot like the arcade. Absolutely. Uh, it's not perfect. It doesn't have the it's, it doesn't have the maps that the original arcade version's got. It doesn't have the audio, but it's still a pretty good game. If you want to just play some preserve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in addition, uh, oh, I looked at uh, Mike Tyson's Punch Out for the NES. We were doing some oh, beat, yeah. we were doing some beat 'em ups, and I was like, well, let's do something a little bit different. And man, that's a great game. I don't care what you say. Oh God, yeah. I don't. I love it. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I love it. Um, and then I, of course, I had to look at Renegade and Target Renegade for the Nintendo just to compare to the ZX Spectrum versions. You can get yeah. all, all my thoughts on that. Um, and before we move on, Aaron, you uncovered a uh, Amigos plays from far, far in the past. You want to talk about this yeah. one? <laughs> well, this is an ARG plays that I shot. When it's gosh, boat. How when did we? Was Dragster with our second I think this game? was episode two of ARG Presents. 
Yeah, I, I had done a. It's funny because I remember when we were getting into this game, and I was like, "Drax, this game sucked." I remember when it was out, and and uh, when I when we covered on the show, this is another example of the show making something work because I went back and played it, and I'm like, "This is crap. This is crap." And I, I watched a guy who did a video on how to play it, mm-hmm. and he because I never understood what the heck was going on, you know. And it like I tried it. I watched the video. I tried it. I'm like, "Wait a minute, I got it." And suddenly, I'm playing this thing for like hours. I remember being super late for work one day because I was up super late playing this game. <laughs> and so, <laughs> when I recorded this Amigo Plays, or ARG Presents Plays, whatever you want to call it, this was, it ended up being the exact same day that uh, Todd Rogers got kicked out of uh, Twin Galaxies, and this was his big game. Right, right. I remember like, that. You know, it was funny how that worked. But I, I think the best time I get on here is like, Six six eight, mm-hmm. and I think I mentioned my all time best time, which I have not beaten. But I just found this. I was cl- doing some household, some uh, sprucing of the playlist. I'm like, what the hell is this? Never released. I just like, I'll put it up. Cool, cool. Play Dragster. It's cool. Yeah, it's a good game. All right, Aaron. Well, as we wind the show down, I do want to thank everybody for watching live on Twitch. We have uh, quite a, quite a crew in the old chat today. Uh, we got uh, Picard is here, L. Curtis B. Um, I actually have uh, moved out of the window <laughs> that had the, the, the chat uh, on here. Edvin is here. Um, Pixels at Dawn doing some great modding in the house. Uh, we've we got quite the, quite, quite the crowd. Uh, I want to thank all of you for being here live. We do tape the show every Friday. Uh, and as long as we remain sort of under lockdown, we're going to be recording at a more Euro-friendly time, maybe starting around 3 o'clock uh, in the afternoon for us here. I believe that that is 7 p.m. in the U.K., though there is a time change coming up in the U.K., so who knows what, what BST will bring to the future. Um, uh, and... Uh, but anyway, uh, oh, and Real Refi joining us too, an uncommon sight here on Twitch. Um, and so uh, anyway, uh, I also want to thank all of our Twitch subscribers. You can subscribe to us on Twitch, get the same benefits that you do uh, as being a Patreon supporter. Uh, we want to thank Buck Owens, Chris Folds, Christian Roussel, Mohawk Mall, GoTo GoSub, Retro Jerry, Uber Scuba Diver. G. Vebke, Frodo NL, Real Joe the Zombie, Still Adolescing, Macintosh Librarian, Rushi MSX, Mitsuyama, Darkwing 602, Kilobytes and Caffeine, Honored Shadow, Wing Chun Wolf. Thank you guys so much for supporting us on Twitch by becoming a subscriber. And, Aaron, at the moment you've been waiting for, the grand reveal of last year's Patreon, last year's, last week's Patreon song challenge. It feels like last year, doesn't it? It does. It does. It's been a long week. It's been the longest week in the history of the earth. I agree. I agree. Well, the name of the song (laughs) was California Girls by the Beach Boys. That's the easiest one you've done for a long time. It is. It is. And um, we had several correct guesses, including uh, Pac Billy, Boss Man, Paul Harrington. He was number one with a bullet that time. Gary Heather got it, Jason Warns, and Eric Nelson. You know, I was listening to uh, Pixel Gaiden. You ever listen to that show? That's Eric's podcast. Are you kidding? I never, ever miss it, ever. Well, you know, uh, what's his name? Cassidy. He does this thing where he reads the, uh, the, he has an adjective generator. He was reading names in a funny accent. I was thinking maybe I could, maybe I could adopt that. I could sing songs in a funny accent with the adjective generator. Just combine everything into one. No, no, no. That's my, my normal accent is, uh, is, is what you hear. Yeah. They've done their Patreons with wrestling intros and done them with cars. Very clever. Very clever. Very clever guys. All right, Aaron. If you know the name of this week's Patreon song, you can send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com and I will read your name as a winner on the show. And of course, before I do this, I want to thank Chris Folds one more time and the Amigos Game Selection Committee for choosing Tennis Cup 2 for us to play. You know, before you start singing this, it just occurred to me, I could actually just mute you. You could. I don't have to, I could, I don't have to endure it. Now that. that you're not physically in my presence, which I know is killing you. Um, you can, uh, you can mute me. You can do anything you want. It's like that Barbie girl song. 
Here we go. Take me, Zebedee's magic roundabout, Jurgen, Mr. Koala, Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorglub, Commodore Kid, Jorg Van Goodman, Reflection, Simon Ledge, Cap'n Crispy, Kilobytes and Caffeine, Mike W. Decker, Threepwood, Gary Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobster, Manada, Ten Minute Amiga, Retrocast, Bernard Quinn, Retro Man Cave, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Edder, Rob O'Hare, Howard Nibs, Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig Sonzo, Colin 419, Bark Bid, Roland Burke, Andrew Muckshow, The Zombie, Leaf Kellan, Alec Kebab, Chekote, Level Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy, Vicky CTC, The Slow Norris, Stefan Sorgord, Mortensen, Evan, Helen Blendo 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Walls, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Giroux, Granddad, Keelane Denson, Adam Burbatusby, <coughs> O'Brien's Retro and Vintage, Gary Hucker, C. Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Duncan Styles, Tapes from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Bradley, Joe Rullo, THT, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy, Humbert Stad, Daniel Bingston, Bruden Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. What'd you think of that? Sounded great, Boat. <laughs> I can see that bit coming a mile away. I can see your tradition of doing bits at Amigo Studios East will continue with full speed as we do these shows remotely. That's right. It's a bit. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening again. And next week, Aaron, we're going to, it's platformer time on the Amigos. It only comes oh around. Time for you to unveil your hate again. Listen, man, I love all platformers on the Amiga, and they're all top quality. Leander will be no exception. Pixels at Dawn, Amiga's uh, Game Selection Committee member, has suggested this, and it was voted on by the crew. Have you played Leander? I don't think so. That's a weird name for a game. Mm, yeah, it is weird. That sounds like somebody that would, would win like America's Got Talent or something. This is right up there with Apidia for the Don't Buy Me sweepstakes in terms of uh, names. Apidia was a cool sounding name. It, Leander. Mm. Yeah, it sort of sounds like a bread. Maybe I'm thinking of the bagel brand. It sounds like a scent of, uh, of a, you know, the spray you get. Mm -hmm. This is Leander. It's like a purple, but you know, it's purple. Yeah. It's sort of like lavender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like lavender and Linder's bagels mixed together. So join us for that, <laughs> if you think that sounds interesting. <laughs> All right, guys. We will see you next week. Until next time. Adios. Adios.